flying high over Macho Grande. Over Macho Grande? It's the IGN Digigods. Now please welcome two men who love it when you call them Shirley, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Oh, don't call me Shirley. Um, Corey, who who gave us the airplane reference? That was brought to you by Lance Taylor. Lance, Lance Taylor, Taylor. (laughs) Oh, Corey makes me laugh every week. Corey, Corey, shout out to you. Thank you for being you. I love Corey. Every time Corey takes a picture of himself or a food or something, he's one of the most entertaining Facebook people I know. He really is. It's, it's he's he's very he's very angry. His fa- his Facebook feed, his Facebook feed is just like one giant stand. It's like one big Lenny Bruce stand up routine. Uh, he would okay. It's actually it's like Patton Oswalt meets Lenny Bruce or something. It's very entertaining. In that case, we are we actually have greatness re- recording our podcast yes, opens. We sure do. So uh, we want to remind everybody the uh, the Oscar office pool is open or the Oscar Digigods pool. At uh, funofficepools.com, funofficepools.com. Uh, you got to go, you got to sign in, got to register, do the whole deal. It takes literally 15 seconds. It's no big deal. And uh, you want to look for the group The Digigods, two words, and the password is Lars von Trier, L A R S V O N T R I E R, all lowercase, all one word, no spaces. Lars von Trier is the password. And uh, we're putting together a nice swag package for whoever wins this thing, and it's going to be good. Everybody gets to kind of – Mark and I, we're, we're not eligible to, uh, to win, uh, but you get to see how you do against us, and uh, you'll probably I'm just... terrible at these things, by the way. I am terrible at all competitive events, you know, video games. It doesn't matter what pool, there was, office pools. There have been – honestly, it, it's a crapshoot. You know, I, I, am as, I am as adept at, at running the numbers as any Oscar, pro, Oscar prognosticator. Uh, prognosticator, <laughs> but I uh, it's, even then there are years where you just go, what? I mean, you remember there was the year big party at your place. Everybody thought, oh, Brokeback Mountain, Wade, your crazy crash doesn't have a chance. And you, do you remember how that transpired? I stood there in that room. You and Norman and everybody else were just stunned when they announced Crash, and I did this. <laughs> Yeah, because you thought to yourself, oh, because it's an actor's film and the actor's it branch won, supported it, it. It won. It was the water cooler movie for seven months. That and, sucked. And I, I love that movie. I love it because that, that's the Los Angeles I live in. I don't know about you, but that's the L.A. I live in. No, you, you live, live on a hill in a big home. No, I, I don't. I live in a dump. I, <laughs> that's the Los Angeles I've known my whole life. By the way, that's the only the thing film. I remember about that, about me throwing the one and only Oscar. Actually, the one and only Oscar party I threw when I lived in Santa Monica. Yeah where I lived for 15 years, is it was one of the first years, not the first year, but one of the first years of high def. Yes, true. So they were broadcasting yeah. the red carpet in high def. But I'll and t- all the women who showed up to the party, including your soon-to-be wife, yes. were like, oh my God, Nicole Kidman, I want to see what she looks like. They were standing like three inches from the screen to try to, look, right. to pick out every pimple on Nicole yeah. Kidman's face. But I'll tell you, there are, for every year like that where I, where I feel like, hey, I got 21 out of 24 categories, then there'll be a year where I like it, nine. And you, you, and you just it's, you throw your hands up because some years it's easy to pick them and other years it isn't and there are always upsets. The Academy always throws a throws a curveball at you. So and by you the never way, know. by the way, yes. I just want to put it out there. Yeah. To the listeners of the Digigods podcast, yes. if you if, if you beat us, it does not mean you get to take over the show. <laughs> I don't know about that. Mark, your favorite director of all time. Yep. 
His, uh, his, his name has a grand total of seven letters in it, <laughs> and yet each one of those letters is more exciting than the last. Mm-hmm. Uwe Boll. There you go. Now, what we have here to start the show, because we really want to start uh, we, we really want to start at the bottom so you can work our way up, <laughs> is uh, we have two uh, DVDs. Um, they're Uwe Boll Presents Films. One is <laughs> called Raging Boll, Six Ruthless Critics versus One Furious Filmmaker. Now... As you might know, Uwe Boll, uh, he gets his movies ripped a lot. And so in 2006, uh, he, he gave his critics a chance to settle their differences in the boxing ring. A dreadful human being. And, you know, he wound up in a boxing ring with a bunch of critics. And it was a big joke, except probably to Uwe Boll, who probably took it very, very seriously. Just um, a horrible human being. I know. Now this is direct- Postal is maybe one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. I'm just I'm so appalled that that even exists. You know, and the thing is that part of Raging Bull is it's not just about the the like the boxing matches, but it's also a profile of Uwe Bull and as you would imagine it's a little self-congratulatory. So I gives I think it gives him uh, way too much credit for being some iconoclastic uh, whatever. So that's the first one Raging Bull. The uh, second one uh, which he did direct is called Black Woods, and it stars the uh, Uwe Boll um, appropriate cast of Michael Paré and Clint Howard. Now this is done in 2002, so it's uh, it's a little bit old. So um, it's about this guy Patrick Muldoon. He caused this car accident that uh, killed somebody years earlier. And he's rebuilding his life with his girlfriend, and so uh, this is before he became super Uwe Boll, like. Everybody started hating his movie, so he decided to double down on being horrible. It's unbelievable. So it, this is almost a movie, but again, it's an Uwe Boll movie, so it's not very good. So it's called Blackwoods, and uh, you got you to bail on that. Now, we also have um, another one directed by Uwe Boll called uh, Sanctimony. This is from even earlier. This is 2000. This is Casper Van Dien, Michael Perret, Eric Roberts, and Catherine Oxenberg. What if that's where they met? Because uh, Catherine Casper uh, 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 Van Dien is married to Catherine Oxenberg. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this one is supposed. This one took its cue from American Psycho, although good luck with that because American Psycho is obviously ten times the film this is. Casper uh, Van Dien is this serial killer, and he's known as the uh, the Monkey Maker, and he, you know, he is taunting the authorities because they can't catch him, and the detectives are sort of kind of coming closer and closer. So um, each slaying becomes more and more gruesome and ridiculous. And that's sanctimony, and uh, it sucks because he's Uwe Boll. And that's what Uwe Boll does, movies that suck. So the only other um, DVD I want to get to before we get into Blu-rays is um, there's a double feature uh, DVD. And and I have a special story about this, but carry on, because I know you're more fond of at least one of these than I am. Well, it's Crawl and Space Hunter. Now, for those who grew up in a certain era, (laughs) Crawl and Space Hunter were kind of beloved movies, you know. Um, I just like Crawl because I thought I was one of the only people to own the James Horner score. But it turns out you own the James Horner score too. <laughs> da, 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 just killed my. Da, da, da. Yeah, it's I good. Did. It's a good score. Okay, it's very so, swashbuckling. It's good. So here's the thing: Space Hunter, by the way, has Molly Ringwald. Well, okay. So Crawl was was directed by 
Peter Yates. Peter Yates, the same year that he directed The Dresser and got all kinds of Oscar nominations for The Dresser. You know, Tom Courtney and Albert Finney. Albert Finney, a wonderful film. Uh, but he did Crawl the same year. It's like Peter <laughs> Yates. We have another Peter Yates film we're going to be talking about shortly. Uh, Peter Yates is a fantastic director, great British director. Why he did Crawl, I have no idea. It, it clearly aspires to be kind of a Star Wars-y, fantasy, sci-fi-y thingy. And it doesn't really hold together. And it had What's-His-Face in it who'd played. Who'd play. You know, Liam Neeson's in this thing. I know it. I know um, but but here's, here's the thing about Crawl. Well, first of all, both films. When I first started working right out of high school, my first job out of high school and my first year at UCLA, I worked at the Man's National Theater, which they've since torn down. They're now putting up some crappy condos. And uh, the first film I worked was uh, Space Hunter. I worked like the last week of Space Hunter right before Twilight Zone the movie came in. So I remember Space Hunter. I saw that movie maybe 20 times in various forms, you know, walking in and out of the theater. And and it's, you know what? It was terrible at the time, but in hindsight, there's a kind of nostalgic fondness that I have for it now. That that does make the film good. It just it, makes the film nostalgic and, to you. And I worked Crawl a few months later. So I worked both of these films. I did. I, so this means something to me. Now, of course, I was across the street of the Avco, where I saw Revenge of the Nerds 17,000 times. <laughs> and the Avco, by the way, they also tore down and then rebuilt... <sighs> As one of those fancy theaters where you can sit in, uh, sit in couches and, and order real food. Have you been there? No. I haven't. I, have, I, I haven't. I mean, we see free movies. Why, 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 why are we going there? Anyway, on uh, DVD, we have Crawl and Space Hunter. All right. I'm, uh, we have a bunch of uh, things that we didn't get to last week. A lot of uh, catalog titles. Great movies. Some really terrific stuff that is out now on Blu-ray. I want to go through this really quickly because there's no reason to dwell on a lot of this before we get around to some, a few new movies. But there's some really great stuff. Scream Factory and Shout Factory. Uh, we have three. Escape of- from New York, Shot Factory, bam! I know. Can't wait, count the days. We got Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh, out on Blu ray with an audio commentary from Bill Condon. Bill Condon. See, that's Did cool. Did a Candyman movie. That's cool. Yeah. Good for him doing a commentary on that. Uh, and then interviews with, of course, uh, Tony Todd and Veronica Cartwright. A lot of fun. Not a good movie, but, you know, it's good on Blu ray. On Golden Pond. Which wow, uh, right? that's crazy! Blu-ray collector's edition. I mean, that was uh, you know that yeah. was Henry Fonda and his daughter and uh, the whole it, thing. It's fantastic. It's really, a great movie. It's a great movie. On Golden Pond is a wonderful movie. Uh, you know that was the year. That was 1981. 1981. That was the year of uh, Reds and uh, Chariots of Fire. That was a big deal. And Best Actor and Best Actress went to On Golden Pond. As well, it should have. Catherine that was uh, got her fourth Academy Award, unprecedented for Best Actress. For and it was, uh, it was also Henry Fonda's. That was his capper. That was it. It was. That was his capper. And then The Boys from Brazil, uh, another really, really fun movie. It's a little dated now, uh, but, you know, Franklin Shafter, who, could, of course, did, uh, did uh, Patton Planet and, and Planet of the Apes. Uh, does a really good job here with uh, Gregory Peck playing Dr. Mengele. And the idea here is that they've cloned Hitler and all these different boys. And it's a preposterous We've plot. cloned Hitler. This is, that's my Gregory Peck. I've cloned Hitler. That, that little kid just creeps me out. The one that plays all the different incarnations with different accents. He's going to grow up to be Hitler. It's just too fun. I'm Gregory Peck. But yet it somehow works, right? It does. It does. It's a fun movie. Uh, Love is the Devil. Uh, is uh, out from Strand and Blu-ray. Strand does not do a lot of Blu-rays, so it's worth noting that this is out, a John Mabry film. This is all about uh, Francis Bacon, the painter, played by Derek Jacobi here. uh, They're pushing it with uh, Daniel Craig on the cover, because obviously we know Daniel Craig a lot better than we know Derek Jacobi. Uh, Tilda Swinton is in this as well. This is a wild, mind-trippy movie. It's a little kind of quasi-psychedelic. 
but it's it. Uh, this is definitely a very kind of cool artifact from uh, from early '90s, I believe this was. I didn't look it up, but I think this is uh, maybe late '90s. Anyway, good movie to check out. Love is the devil, um, Mark. You know we have a bit of a connection to Supernova. We do? We do. What's that? Lloyd shot this. We oh, talked about Lloyd last week. Lloyd, we did. Lloyd Ahern, friend of ours. Who's, who's, whose father shot Miracle on 34th that's Street. That's right. And uh, Lloyd, a very good cinematographer, uh, normally works with Walter Hill. But this movie was directed by Thomas Lee. Am I supposed to be? <laughs> Thomas Lee is Walter Hill. Walter, oh. Walter Hill took his name off the movie. Uh, and Francis Coppola apparently directed part of this as well. This movie no, was that's a, bizarre. This was a mess. This film was a mess. It was a, it was a catastrophe. Uh, you know, James Spader, Angela Bassett. It was supposed to be. It was. It was. It meant to be kind of a little bit like that Danny Boyle film, uh, Sunrise, Sun, Sunshine. Sunshine. I love that film. It, it you sh- hate that film. I love that film. Yeah, I don't hate it. It just it's, the last film I ever saw at the Wilshire Theater. By the way. Oh wow. Well, anyway, Supernova should have been a really cool kind of 80s era sci-fi thing. It should have had that feel of, you know, Outland and Alien, and it should have really kind of resonated, but it didn't. It just didn't. It just, this thing was a mess, and uh, Walter Hill took his name off. However, Lloyd's work, fantastic. Totally aces. Oh, his work was always aces. aces. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, cameras are like like another limb to him. Just, it's great. Wave to him, by the way, when you're when you're on your way home, because he lives right over there. Anyway, and then we also have uh, Heartbreak Hotel, uh, one of Chris Columbus's less offensive but less successful films. This is out from Mill Creek. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a kind of a cool little you know musicy thing set in uh, 1972, and uh, I don't know, it's it's got a good cast. You know, David Keith and Tuesday Weld and uh, Charles Schlatter. Uh, nice little producing work from Linda Obst, who was kind enough to talk to us on this podcast last year. Uh, so that's Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, you know, Chris Columbus not trying to make a giant blockbuster, not doing Harry Potter, not doing Mrs. Doubtfire, not doing Gremlins. Just, just telling a story, man. Three-time Academy Award winner, uh, that guy. Daniel Day-Lewis. Thank you. Uh, he won his first Academy Award for My Left Foot, and very deservedly, and uh, it may very well happen again this year with Eddie Redmayne, frankly. I think Eddie Redmayne stands a good chance of winning Best That's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Between him and uh, Benedict. Mike, Michael Keaton, man. Don't count him out. Really? Michael Keaton. People, after that speech that he made at the Globes. That's going to sway a lot are of... Are you uh, kidding me? Although, so, although, here's the thing, though. The Oscar voters tend to be a little bit older, and Birdman might be way too out there for them. Look, it doesn't matter. Michael Keaton went up there, and he said... My name is Michael Douglas. Like, he, he, he flat out said, this is my real name. I come from this family, this big, wonderful family. My son is my hero. He starts tearing up. It, I, honestly, if I'm an Academy voter, I'm watching that. I'm like, dude, I'm going to give you an Oscar just because I want to hear, hear the Oscar speech. If that's your Globe speech, if that's your Globe speech, oh, my gosh, bring down the house, dude. Seriously, it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Sorry, Eddie Redmayne, who you know, you goofed on me but. because uh, you goofed on me because I got uh, blurbed calling Ed, Eddie Redmayne like <laughs> revelatory or something in Les Mis because I think he's great. He is. So now he's up for an Oscar, and yeah. it's, it's so. You know, can, can you imagine? You, you can't make that movie without him. No, you can't. I mean, who else is going to make that movie? Look, it, there are a lot of great actors this year. There are a lot of great actors. And we, we talked about this last week. I mean, Ray Fiennes not getting in there. Timothy Spall not getting in there. David Oyelowo not getting in there. Uh, it, both guys from uh, from Love is Strange not getting in there. I mean, there are a lot of great performances. In, I mean, that's this has been the most stacked 
actor year that I can remember. And, I mean, it, and it, it, seemed, it seemed like a weak year, though, for performances, and it turns out it wasn't. But the, like, the second five, I could think of five performances that were not nominated in the top five that not only would have been the top five in another year, but any of them could have won in another year. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I mean, the top ten male performances of this last year are incredible. But, but you, know, you know what that shows you? It shows you that there really are good scripts out there. There are good yeah, scripts for good are. actors to, to really sink their teeth into. True. So anyway, Daniel Day-Lewis won his first one for My Left Foot, which uh, is a wonderful film and a great performance. And uh, that's out on Blu-ray from Lionsgate. Definitely uh, make an effort to get that. Uh, if you care about the Twilight movies, the extended editions are all out now on a triple feature, a Blu-ray from Summit, which it's like, you know... You know what's funny whatever. is that like, like three years ago, that would have been not just a triple feature on one Blu-ray, it would have been like a big box set with like yeah. a big die-cast uh, wolf thing and then a, you know, like a little booklet. Now they throw it out on one Blu-ray. Fox has a couple of uh, catalog titles they just put out, which are really cool. One is an Orion film. Uh, this is At the Earth's Core, which is, you know, it's, it's cheesy, it's schlocky, whatever. Uh, this is part of their, uh, you know, what, this is, it's okay. Um, but whatever. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's fine. It's, it's perfectly fine. And then, uh, you know, it's that whole Jules Verne's thing. It's whatever. It's, it's one of those movies. It, it just, it's like... Uh, Good job, Wade. Good job. Yeah, you know. Whatever. Good job. Wait, give it up. Okay. Give fine. it up. It's at the Earth's core, for Christ's sake. It's got Carolyn Monroe in it. Move on. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, Razor's Edge uh, with Tyrone Power and Gene Tierney. Not the Bill Murray Razor's Edge. This is, of course, based on the same novel, same Somerset Mom novel. But uh, this one is very different. I love both films. I really do. I, I like the Bill Murray movie a lot. But something a little bit more mommy about this one. So, I, I, you know, it's, they're two very interesting takes on the same novel. Uh, this one was directed by Edmund Goulding, and uh, anything with Tyrone Power is always, always worth watching. So uh, check this out. Uh, that's also on Blu-ray. And then we have from the uh, Studio Classics line, the Kino Lorber Studio Classics line, which is a lot of Fox and MGM stuff mostly, um, the uh, we have foxes with Jodie Foster. Ooh, that was con- I remember that that yeah. controversial way. Controversial. Adrian Lyne directed this, and uh, that's really uh, it was sort of like uh, the Blue Lagoon in the City. Very kind of. controversial, young kind girls, of, yeah. kind of like in various stages of undress, being this promiscuous. Was, well, this was the movie that allowed Adrian Lyne. David Putnam produced this, by the way, because he was producing all of Adrian Lyne's stuff at the time. And you know, they, these were all people that had worked for Putnam, right? I mean, it's when he when he did. Uh, uh, all the Alan Parker stuff and the Ridley Scott stuff. I mean, these are guys that all came from his advertising house in, in the UK. I mean, he broke a lot of these amazing talents, uh, you know, both uh, Scott brothers, actually. So anyway, uh, David Putnam threw his name on this. And, of course, this was uh, 1980, the same year that he would, uh, he basically began production on Chariots, Chariots of, Fire, of Fire and then became, he won his, you know, won his Oscar the next year. And then shortly thereafter, he and... Uh, uh, he went on to do uh, the the uh, the mission and won the Palm Door. So Putnam, amazing producer. Uh, this movie, not so much. Uh, Jodie Foster's fine in it, but yeah, it, it's like Blue Lagoon in the City. Uh, it comes with an audio commentary with Adrian Lyne and uh, Sally Kellerman interview, and it's it's a little blast from the past, but it's okay. And then uh, if you go to screenarchives.com, you can get the amazing Twilight Time stuff and Twilight Time. 
just released a bunch of stuff in December and January. All of it absolutely worth getting. Uh, they go and they mine these. They mine the studio uh, vaults for you know again in this case primarily 20th Century Fox and MGM stuff. They just mine it for great titles that are not being exploited. And here's what we get. You ready for this, Mark? Get this. Gosh, this is like an amazing collection all in one. Inherit the Wind. Kidding me? Inherit Spencer the Wind. Spencer Tracy. Frickin' Inherit the Wind. Unbelievable. But no extras. Blu-ray. No extras. Well, you get an isolated score on all of these. You always have the isolated score. The isolated score is, is the thing. Isolated score and effects track in this case. And then the trailer. Um, uh, the Prime of Miss Jean Brody. How great is this? Ronald Neem directed uh, the unbelievable Maggie Smith to an Oscar in this. It's the role that she'll forever be known as. And Maggie Smith has been doing a lot of great stuff. I mean, we all love Maggie Smith, but she won an Oscar for this. Prime of Miss Jean Brody. Uh, on Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Prime of Miss Jean Brody. Barbara Streisand. Yentl. How could that not get a decent release? 1983. Yentl. Same year as uh, Terms of Endearment and uh, The Right Stuff. This was like a big year. Yentl. Huge film. Wonderful film. One of my favorite films. Why did they not do a, a big, a big splashy release of this? I don't know. But just, Twilight Time, they got their claws in this and they said this is not being done justice. How could they just bl- how, how could the studio just blow that uh, off? You know what? I'm glad they did. Twilight Time did a, a tremendous job here. You get the uh, director's extended cut of the film along with the theatrical version. You get an audio commentary by Barbara Streisand and her, uh, her co-producer, Rusty Lemonade. I'm sorry, Rusty Lemorandi. I always used to call him Rusty Lemonade. D- it, to, to his face? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> uh, you get deleted scenes. I mean, introduction to special features, uh, director's real featurette. I mean, all this amazing stuff on the rehearsal process. They went crazy on this. And they this. should. This is an important film. And bravo, Twilight Time. Fantastic. Uh, Heaven and Earth, the Oliver Stone film, that which is the third of his Vietnam movies. I'm not a fan. It has an Oliver Stone commentary. Um, and that's fine. I hate this movie, but you know, some people like it, and, then, and I'm glad it's out. Funny Lady, the sequel to Funny Girl, another Barbra Streisand movie. This was directed by Herbert Ross, who, of course, would go on to do The Turning Point and uh, Footloose and a lot of other great movies. Herbert Ross had been the choreographer on uh, the previous film on Funny Girl. He stepped up to director in this, did a wonderful job. Not as good as the previous. James Caan doesn't really, you know, hold his own against uh, Streisand the same way. But it's a lovely movie. You know, the ongoing adventures of Fanny Bryce. The Fortune. You ever seen The Fortune? Uh, about, yeah, 1982. It's so fun. It's so fun. Basically, the idea here is that uh, you have... Uh, <laughs> it's Nich- it's Nicholson and Warren Beatty. Look at, look at Nicholson's face. How funny is that? Of course. No, it's Nicholson and Warren Beatty. Basically, they saw The Sting, and they're like, hey, we're funnier than those guys. We could do a better caper movie than Redford and Newman. So they go and they enlist... And they're trying to be funny. They try to be funny. And they enlist Stockard Channing, and she's an heiress, and they're trying to pull a scam and take her money. And it's really terrific. And um, the late night Mike, late Mike Nichols directed this. Aww. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. Anything Mike Nichols did, I just love. We have a 30th anniversary edition of Fright Night, limited edition series. Uh, I'm not a fan of Fright Night, but a lot of people are. And tons of, uh, of stuff on here. There's you know, effects stuff and audio, two audio commentaries. And uh, if you're a fan of Fright Night, this one just knocks it out of the park. Twilight, uh, Twilight Time puts this in a clear package. They're really up on their game. Twilight Time is just great. Talked about Peter Yates. He also did Breaking Away. Oh, great film. Great film. Won a very deserved uh, Academy Award for uh, Steve Tesich's screenplay. And uh, that's just terrific. Uh, you I shaved th- your legs. So great. Such a great movie. It's a great cycling movie. Um, it's a great movie about growing up. It's just it's a cycling. Great movie about growing up, but it's it's about cycling. But don't think it's uh, you know, it's you a coming care about. Yes, Dennis Christopher, great job. Dennis Quaid, tremendous. Daniel Stern. I mean, Jackie Earl Haley. Look at all the people it's got in it. It's so good. Jackie Chan. 
Oh, so good. Uh, great music by Patrick Williams. Really good film. Uh, very deserved Oscar winner. Um, the fantastic Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah. Purple Rose oh, my God. So, so you, I have that poster on my wall. I know you do. I know you do. This is from their, also from their limited edition series, the Purple Rose of Cairo. Wonderful Woody Allen movie. Maybe his greatest Valentine to the movies. Oh, sure. I mean, the way this movie ends, I just go, oh, I get it. I'm so with you. You just connect to it. It's just fantastic. It's basically Woody Allen taking Sherlock Jr., the, uh, the uh, Buster Keaton film, and elaborating on it and, and kind of making it his own and expanding on the concept. And it's just fantastic. Purple Rose of Cairo. Jeff Daniels, never been better. Uh, watching it, you know, just ignore the fact that he and Mia had a complete and total ex- blow up and, and just live with the fact that they were making great movies at that time. Uh, the Bride Wore Black, a fantastic, awesome, tremendous uh, performance by Jeanne Moreau in this very great Francois Truffaut film. Uh, this is uh, unfortunately um, uh, not the best version of this. There, there's a French copy of this that I've seen that's actually a, a better print. But you, uh, you do get the English dubbed version on this. You get an audio commentary with film historians on it. Uh, including Nick Redman, you get a trailer, you get you know you get a few other inter- interesting things here, including a conversation with Bernard Herrmann. So this is one of the more Hitchcockian Truffaut films. I'm glad it's out on Blu-ray. I recommend it, but there's a better version to be had if you if you want to get an import. And then um, a movie that I saw at Cannes in uh, uh, 1993 was it or 92? Can't remember, but anyway, it was the early part of the 90s. And it just floored me. This was my favorite film of the year. This made my number one film on my top ten list, Bandit Queen. Oh, it's great. This is the film that uh, broke Shaker Kapoor out. He, of course, went on to do Elizabeth and become an Oscar nominee and the whole thing. But Bandit Queen is the true story of Poulan Devi, who was this woman who was basically sold into a marriage when she was a girl in rural India and uh, repeatedly raped. And then she was rescued from this horrible relationship by a group of bandits. And she rose to become the head of this tribe of bandits and wreak unholy revenge and havoc on everyone who ever wronged her. And there, the famous massacre where she goes back to the village where she was raped and just mows down every man in the village is one of the most unbelievable pieces of cinema I've ever seen. And it's incredible. And everything that they do in that sequence is done in camera. There's no after-camera, no post-production enhancement of what happens during that scene. You watch it visually, and you realize it was all done in camera while they were shooting. You, you just have to applaud. Um, Shaker Kapoor I, is just at his peak in this film. This is an amazing, magnificent film with a central performance, a lead performance by Seema Biswas, that will blow your mind. Great movie. Absolutely fantastic. That also is out from Twilight Time. And then, before we get into new movies, Mark, you ever heard of The Skin? I, I have Skin. This is by uh, Liliana Cavani. Liliana Cavani, you probably know because she did The uh, the Night Porter. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Okay. Uh, this is another film of hers. Um, I don't have my glasses on. Can you tell me what the extras are on that? Hang on. Leave it on my glasses, Wade. Okay. Because I, I brought them this time. Yeah. Uh, Blu-ray feature. That is small. Four featurettes. Obviously, I did not to watch this. Um, four featurettes, including three with director Lillian Cavari, uh, Cavani, and one with uh, production de- designer Dante Ferretti. Feature-length audio commentary by some jerk and Andy Klein. <laughs> French trailer. Wait, let me let me read the other one. Feature-length audio commentary by some jerk and Andy Klein, and there's also English subtitles. Yeah, I don't see anything uh, unusual there. I don't know. It seems fine to me. You hate me. 
No, uh, Wade does the audio commentary on the movie. We had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, the the basically the skin is a it's based in fact uh, about the things that transpire in Naples after the um, the American army moves in end of World War II right you're going up through Italy and uh, you know as you're slowly reclaiming Italy and it's it's basically about the chaos and the debauchery and what's happening to Italian society in Naples at the time they move through and it's the book I've never read the book Andy read the book so the commentary is is basically me a lot of a lot of me saying Andy. Did they really do that in the book? Oh, yeah, that's even worse in the book. Uh, that's the audio commentary right there. You, I just gave you a preview. But um, it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of giallo stuff in this. It's, it's not a giallo film, but when it gets gory, it gets gory. And it, it's, there's clearly a shock effect. That uh, there, there are a couple of moments in this, and you can tell we're squirming in our skin during the commentary. Because we had to watch it and make notes right before the commentary, and you get to a point you're like, ooh. Really, I'm gonna to have to watch that again, and then comment on it again, and then it, it's you squeam. But you're supposed to. You're supposed to squeam. That's not a word. I know, but if you're squeamish, you squeam. So anyway, uh, the skin uh, really is is a, a kind of a landmark film. Uh, Marcello Mastroianni, Burt Lancaster, Claudia Cardinale, uh, by the uh, great director Liliana Cavani. Probably her most one of her most noteworthy films outside of The Night Porter. All right. Mark, let's uh, let's do some new movies and junk and stuff. New movies. Uh, let's start with uh, a surprise Oscar nominee for Best Supporting Actor. We have The Judge. Oldest, which is, oldest actor ever nominated for an Academy Award. That is amazing. Isn't Let that me, amazing? What's More in, than Richard Farnsworth now. This is uh, the John Grisham uh, adaptation that John Grisham never wrote. That's what this is. Mm. It's, uh, it's uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays a big city lawyer who returns to his uh, childhood home where his, uh, uh, to represent his father in a murder case. And, uh, you know, it, really, if, the, if, if one gets any enjoyment out of this, which is minimal, it's just seeing Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall chew the scenery a little bit. Uh, I was sort of hoping that Downey Jr. would maybe play like a real part, like not do his whole like flamboyant Iron Man thing like maybe he would actually do like a real movie the problem is that he and he doesn't he is very out there and Downey Jr. esque and the thing is that it's kind of appropriate for this character because this guy's like this big city lawyer and he's a hot shot he thinks he's all that so it's good casting he does get to be Robert Downey Jr. we'll have to wait a little bit longer before he does another real movie Uh, in the meantime uh, this thing is completely and absolutely adequate Uh, Robert Duvall of course every performance from him is a gift at this point because he is uh, getting up there so um, we have – this, by the way, was directed by David Dopkin, who um, is normally a director of, like, uh, really bad comedies. But he decided to go legit with this thing. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you can't fault him. I just think that the movie really just it, – it just, it just seems very – it's kind of very cliched. It just seems like a typical, you know, again, John Grishamy type legal thriller type airport novel. And so it really wasn't uh, that remarkable. But it does have some special features, including a commentary by Dopkin and um, – uh, featurette, which is pretty useless. So uh, there you go, the judge. Beautiful. Also, also new, we have um, Lucy. Now, Lucy was a film that I had a little bit of hope for because I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe this is the one where Luke Besson says, you know what? I'm going to bring it this time. I know, I, I know, I haven't brought it in a long yeah, time because no, all I do is uh, worry about Europa Corp and all no, my little producer this is, adventures. This is, this is where he thought, I know what I'll do. <laughs> I'll remake La Femme Nikita, but I'll make her an X Man. 
this thing was not. That's what this, it is. This thing was La a Femme dis- Nikita as an X Man. This thing was a disappointment. It, it stars uh, Scarlett Johansson, and uh, she she winds up being a drug mule. And during the course of being a drug mule, something goes wrong, and she winds up ingesting, ingesting the- this drug that allows her to use one hundred percent of her brain. And, and you, you would think that it, the problem with the premise is that if you're if it's 100 percent of your brain, the movie would be over in like five seconds. You would make everybody kill themselves, and you'd be the hero, and the yes. movie would be over. Yeah, I, it's, it's just stop that. Yeah. Like they, they, they don't really de- like the way they delve into what it would actually mean to use that much of your brain. It, it, it's completely uninteresting. But how is it that Morgan Freeman can say any line, and it just somehow he could like say the stupidest line, and it somehow sounds credible and believable? You just accept it. <laughs> Cause is it awesome. true? Because he's awesome. He's just amazing. come on. He's uh, he's Morgan Freeman. Anyway, this thing uh, was a, was a disappointment. I really. And by the way, if if you if you're into Scarlett Johansson and who isn't, uh, I would recommend Under the Skin. I'd, you'd be better off renting that than yeah. you are Lucy. I love Under the Skin. Yeah, Very disturbing film. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And by the way, Mark, we have a, we have a giveaway a little bit later. You know, we also have an Oscar pool. Don't forget, funofficepools.com. Funofficepools.com. Join it. our office. You will you will play against Wade and myself. The mm-hmm. username is the Digigods with a space between the and Digigods, and the password is Lars von Trier, all one word, lowercase. Yes. So please join. And by the way, what you will win is a uh, collection of swag that Wade is uh, he's, Wade is collating. You're going to uh, win one dozen Uwe Ball films. <laughs> we don't know what you're going to win. We haven't figured it out yet. We are uh, trying to work on, out a really cool swag, uh, yeah, swag bag for you. Yeah. All right. And it's free, by the way. It's free. Yeah, totally. Free. Yeah, it's free. It's free. You don't Got to put it out there. All right. Carry on, Mark. Oh. Um, people had a lot, of, uh, a lot of interest in David Ayer's uh, Fury. David Ayer, of course, being uh, responsible for uh, Hero Training Day. And uh, what else? He wrote Training Day. He also Training wrote, Day, and then, uh, and then, and then uh, the one after that. The, 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 with the Gill, Gyllenhaal and... Uh, oh, that's right. Not Nightcrawler. Uh, the, the other one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't stop the recording. Thank you. Anyway, um, Brad Pitt plays a uh, tank commander in World War II, and it all takes place in April of 1995, and the Allies are making their final push. And it's all about the Sherman tank, who Brad Pitt... Um, Commands it, and he's got a five-man crew, and they get, they they just they just bust their way through the heart of Nazi Germany, and you know I would have bought this film, especially the last thirty minutes. I would have bought the film if it was a true story, because at the end you're like, wow, I cannot believe this is how I'm not telling, I'm not I won't tell you what happens. Yeah, David Ayer is doing Suicide Squad, right? That's an interesting choice. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's I mean, really, he got it based on the strength yeah. of this. Yeah. But the last 30 minutes of this movie, you're like, this movie will work for me like gangbusters if that actually happened. End of watch. That was it. Yeah. As if, the, if that actually happened. Of course, it didn't. And so in the end, you're like, you know, it looks nice. It's got the same, you know, grays and fatigue greens of a normal uh, World War II movie. Shia LaBeouf um, is actually, for, for a little he does in it, he doesn't have a big role. But I have to say, he brings it. He's good. You know, he's a cannibal. He's out of his mind. Actual cannibal, Shia LaBeouf. He's out of his Hollywood mind. Hollywood superstar, Shia LaBeouf. He's out of his mind. You, you, haven't, you've seen that, haven't you? No, I haven't. You haven't seen that? No. Oh, yo, is, is that the music video with the girl? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. No, 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 not the music video with the girl. The performance piece. What's that? The, 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 the Shia LaBeouf song. No. 
You haven't seen? Are I've you kidding seen, me? I've not seen that. Did I not send you that link? I don't know. Maybe. Oh my gosh! It's the funniest thing of, of all time. I've not seen it. With the with the uh, the the West Hollywood gay men's chorus and the you, you, that whole thing. You it sounds seen familiar, it? but I didn't the, the, see dan- it. the dance troupe didn't see it. Singing the song about Shia LaBeouf, like uh, running through the running through the woods. Shia LaBeouf running on all fours. Shia LaBeouf, actual cannibal. Shia LaBeouf. You haven't seen that? <laughs> no. Where it's it's the story of this guy and he has it like Shia LaBeouf attacks him in the woods and then he thinks he's gotten away and then he, she, then he but he's not dead. Oh my gosh, it's great! Never, no, I, oh, I have to go. I have to send you the link. You're making that up. I'm not. It's the it's the, the greatest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, this movie, uh, you know, it just winds up being just a just a just a big slug, a shot of whiskey, in terms of like what in terms of the canon of World War II films. It's not an amazing film. It's not going to take the place of Saving Private Ryan or Platoon. It's completely fine. I wish it was more, um, but that's Fury. Very slick. Very nicely done. That's all I'll say about it. Okay, I'm going to blow through a whole bunch of things here real quickly. From Paramount, we got a DVD of Rudderless, which is William H. Macy's directing debut. Um, very solid. Very safe, but also very solid. It is, uh, he's got some really good actors here, which helps. Billy Crudup and uh, Selena Gomez who, and Lawrence Fishburne. Selena Gomez, surprisingly, really good in this. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to say that at one point. Anton Yelchin didn't annoy me, as he often does. And uh, it's, uh, you know, basically a story of an ad executive played by Billy Crudup who loses his son and then finds that his son had these amazing demo tapes and decides that he's, uh, he's going to basically uh, start performing his, his son's songs. And it's just really sweet and it's got a, a wonderful, it's got a wonderful, you know, I, don't, I hate to say message, but it's, got a, it's, it's really humanistic and it's very nicely put together and Macy is, is solid with it. Uh, not so impressive is this Blu-ray called Memphis. I found this film to be just utterly irritating on, on an, uh, beyond all comprehension. It's kind of documentary-like. It's kind of narrative. It's sort of in between the two. It's about this this jazz musician, and but it's it just it it's got it's just got this insufferable kind of early '60s European meandering feel. Like we don't want you to actually think this was scripted, and we're just going to point the camera at things for no reason and let scenes drag on endlessly and let people ramble, and it just doesn't work. So I. Sorry, can't say anything good about Memphis. I can say wonderful things about the Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power, with Lou Ferrigno, but I won't. Uh, if I did, I'd be lying. I mean, that, I mean, th- that movie is wrong for so many reasons. Just, just Lou Ferrigno? <laughs> what happened to him? I, you know, the Scorpion King was a bad enough idea to begin with. Spin-off from the Mummy films, right, with The Rock. But, yeah, okay, fine, fair enough, Scorpion King. He was in The Mummy, and this, you got The Rock, and okay, fine, why not? We'll make the Scorpion King. And then Scorpion King 2. That was a bad idea. Scorpion King 3. Did anyone even hear about that? Did that do any... Is there, is there like really a, an audience out there for a, a Scorpion King franchise? And then you get down to Scorpion King 4. And you have no choice but to hire Lou Ferrigno? This must be the highest profile thing Lou Ferrigno has done in 20 years. Are you kidding me? Has he done anything high, higher profile than this what, in the last 20 years? I don't know, and no. I don't care. And then Royce Gracie, who's a you know from the Gracie family, the the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, the WW or the the W the the mixed martial arts MMA fighting family. I mean, it's a, by the way, let me tell you something. So heck? I'm so I'm walking down the halls of my office, right? Yeah. And they have all these monitors there, right? And one of the monitors has on uh, the Esquire channel. Of course. And the, and the Esquire channel during the day they show uh, reruns of uh, Incredible Hulk. 
Sure. Lou Ferrigno. Sure. So now there was no audio. Doesn't everyone? I was, yeah. <laughs> it's the best. No. There, uh, so I'm looking at the show. There's Bill Bixby. There's Lou Ferrigno. There's the guest star of the week. Can I tell you something? That show, that show sucks. What? I mean, the, the Incredible, incredible Hulk? Come on. It Lou was, Ferrigno? It was fun at the time. It was like a, it's a guy with green paint on. It's just, that show is terrible. Absolutely, that does not hold up in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> well, okay. He's like some guy, like his pants are all ripped, like all yeah. art department ripped, like all the like, costume department. Oh, let's t- let's rip up his pants. Costume department assistant, take this razor and this and this scissor and rip up his pants. Oh no, make make that rip a little bit higher than the other rip, so it looks like he ripped it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that show sucked. Okay, I loved so, it as a kid. Yeah, I know. So anyway, we have a really, really stupid movie here called The Lost Legion, which is another, which is, there was a moment when we were getting a lot of Roman Empire movies, and this is one of them. Uh, this is one of the, the less impressive ones. Uh, it's, it's kind of in the waning days of the Roman Empire, and uh, a little bit too much kind of Roman politics. It's, it's, it's weak. It, it's not even as impressive as, you know, the HBO show Rome. So strictly for people who are into that kind of thing. Um, man, what a missed opportunity. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Mark, what happened to Terry Gilliam? What happened to Terry I Gilliam? Know. Why is this movie so boring? Ugh. How did this happen? The Lost Theorem. I was I, you so know looking why? forward to this. The, part of the problem is Christoph Waltz. I can't handle him as an actor anymore. I can't. I know we interviewed him. He was a nice guy. He was really sweet in the whole thing. But And he was he, he was good in, in, the, in, the, in the two Tarantino films. But I can't handle him anymore. Big Eyes, it just didn't work for me. Tim Burton, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle him in that. He drives me crazy and everything. This thing, he try, he's, he's trying to do Brazil here. Well, you know what? I, Gilliam, oh. to me, somehow, he, I think he's attracted to these movies for their production design potential. Oh. You know, all, you know and, and then the thing is that you can't do that without a bigger budget. It's just, it's, it, there's it, like... It, it, it's like this, this future world with all this crazy stuff going on in the street, the exteriors and interiors, and it looks like a low to mid-budget film. It just looks, it it's does. gaudy and ridiculous. Well, he's a guy who's completely disconnected. He just, he, he basically sits at the computer all day long in this weird dystopian future where he's got this mechanical thing all set up inside of a church. And, uh, it, it, and he's sort of, you know, try, Matt Damon is his boss and, and he's trying to discover emotions that he doesn't have. And he's very, he's very, he's almost very robotic as a person. And it's just, it's, it's just so boring. It's insufferable. It never ends. So upsetting. Anyway, that's out on Blu-ray. And then um, here, let's You know talk- what Gilliam should do? What should he do? Gilliam should do like a cable, <coughs> Gilliam should do like a cable show. Like what okay. if Gilliam did, did? What if he did like a ten episode HBO show? All right, that wouldn't that be cool? I, I, I look, Woody Allen's going to do a show now. How amazing! Amazon. How amazing is that? Are you kidding me? First of all, Woody Allen is now more current than than than, than <laughs> only Clint Eastwood. In terms of that age, yeah. is that current in terms and, of being Woody, filmmaker? Woody's comment is, I have no idea what I've gotten into. I, I don't have any ideas. I don't really know where to start. He says that, <laughs> he says that about everything. <laughs> That's great. I love I mean, it. I, I mean, we don't know what the concept is. No. We don't know anything about that thing. Doesn't matter. It'll be great. I mean, it's, uh, that, it, what, that's crazy. I let, cannot believe he, they, Amazon convinced Woody Allen to do a show let, for them. Let's talk about this for just, just a second. The Box Trolls. Let's not. This got an Oscar nomination, Mark. Yeah, in, instead of uh, Lego Movie. Lego Movie did not. I mean, the, sea, the, the Song of the Sea and uh, Taylor Prince's Kaguya both got Oscar nominations, which is nice. I mean, I think everybody appreciates when traditional hand-drawn 2D animation 
especially when it's not American, gets gets some kind of recognition. And, and those two films, I, I, I applaud that they, they did that. And How to Train Your Dragon 2, fine, whatever. And, and whatever the other one was. What was the other one that got nominated? The other... Uh, uh, Big the, Hero 6? Big Hero 6, which we knew was, you know, it's got the Disney power behind it. And then the Lego movie, you're thinking, why? Well, it's a no-brainer, right? Everyone loved that thing. And, like, and it did huge. Huge it numbers. It huge, and it, everyone loved it. It's good animation. It's well-written. And the whole thing, right? The, the, the whole, the complete package. Like, what? The box trolls... Why not the Why not the Del Toro thing, the the the, the Game of Life or whatever that was called? Well, the, here's the book, book of Life. Here's what I think. I think that the animation branch, those guys, they don't like uh, Phil Lord and uh, Chris. They Miller. clearly don't. They do don't they? Like him. That's they don't, the they second don't like time them. they've shafted him. I know. They for some reason they do not like them. That's just so weird. They they must resent it because they're not animation. That's guys. That's the thing. They're not animation it? guys. You right. know, they resent that a couple of carpetbaggers came in from the live action field, and they uh, a bunch of carpetbaggers from the live action field who do all those crazy, you know, Jonah Hill films, do a computer animated film, no hand drawn. They, I don't think they like them. Wow, boy, I, it does not reflect well in the animation branch. That's kind of sour grapes. Anyway, the Box Trolls got an Oscar nomination, and it's just not. It's not good, man. It just isn't. It's you know, I mean. They're trolls, and they live in boxes. I don't get it. It, it. it just borrows all of its story elements from 100 other animated films, and, you know, the, it's, 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 it's that, that whole elf vibe, right? You know, we're going to rally around the misfit and give, help them realize their dreams and all that stuff. But I, don't, I just don't get it. It's, I don't get it. Do you get it? No. <laughs> it's, box, it's the title. They're trolls, and they live in boxes. What? Why Who not? came up with that? Well, come on, gremlins. Gremlins are gremlins. They, 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 oh, you can't yeah. get them wet. Uh, yeah, after midnight, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. <laughs> I never liked that movie. Okay. I, I, I miss the whole gremlins uh, cold I, comedy thing. Gremlins 2 is great, but you realize gremlins 2 is a totally different film. Yeah. It's a, I mean, gremlins 2 is a just madcap, manic satire of everything. It's just, it's, it, it's almost South Park-like, the way that it, it's, it's it more, or even like your favorite... Uh, Which is not on Blu-ray. You're about to say Team America? My favorite movie of all time. It's very Team America like, but it's I was I was going to say it's very Family Guy like. Oh, Family it just, Guy. It just riffs yeah. on it just riffs on everything. I love Family yeah, Guy, yeah. and you don't like it because you're lame. Let me let me hit a couple other ones here real quickly. Uh, got a little movie uh, called Eighty Eight that's on Blu-ray. Uh, kind of a female revenge thing. It's not like Lucy, but it's uh, you know it's, uh, it's it's all right. It's got it's got a few little twists and turns in it. It's not bad. Uh, directed by April Mullen, who will do some interesting things at some point. So that's probably worth a rental for people who like that kind of stuff. Patricia Clarkson, a fantastic actress in a movie that uh, completely went under the radar for everybody. It's called Last Weekend. Um, but she's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It's just about a woman who's uh, trying to sort of you know reinvent her life after a very, very long marriage and uh, you know having raised her sons. And it's... Uh, it, it it's it's a it's a it's one of those movies that probably didn't cost much, but you just sort of rally around her and her performance, and it's great. Uh, Juliette Lewis, who's completely off the radar as well, in a little movie called Kelly and Cal, which is from IFC. This thing um, it makes me kind of miss her as an actress because she can do some very interesting work, and she does do some interesting work in here. So uh, Sybil Shepherd shows up in this as well, and uh, that also is worth a maybe a little a little rental glimpse. Uh, John Leguizamo in Fugly is, I 
just don't know what to make of this. I, it, it, I'm more interested in Rada Mitchell, actually. I'm watching Rada Mitchell in this. I'm like, what happened to her? Why I liked her. I know. She's cool. Why isn't she doing, getting bigger? Why isn't she in, like a, a, a Marvel hero or an X-Man? Like, Rada Mitchell is great. She is She's cool. She's really a terrific actress. You know who does those roles now? It seems to me Rose Byrne. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right, Rose Byrne. She's yeah. Risley and Annie, yeah. and she is True. in... Uh, True, she's getting she's getting those calls, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, but John Leguizamo is, you know, it's just another one of his kind of celebratory. Uh, it's like he w- he wants to be naughty, right? Just the title alone, fugly. Yeah, we know what that means. Yeah, blah blah blah. Yeah, and then uh, the part three, the just thank goodness, mercifully bringing this to an end. Uh, part three of the very misbegotten, independently produced, disastrous Atlas Shrugged. Uh, one of the most popular novels of all time, one of the most controversial novels of all time, uh, rights purchased by someone who'd never made a movie and uh, had no idea what he was doing and went ahead and just made a train wreck of the production with three different films shot, not consecutively, but with separate budgets and entirely different casts. Every single part is a different actor in the three parts of these three films. It's insane. It is a total, complete, catastrophic mess. This is why people who don't know how to make movies should not make movies. Now, he picked up the rights to that because, you know, because Angelina Jolie had wanted to make that forever. Yes, yes. Now, how can this guy get the rights and not Angelina Jolie? You know, that's, that's a conversation for another time. I actually, I actually know a few people who know a few people, and I've heard a few stories from people who know people. And, uh, people who know people are the yeah. luckiest people in the world? Not really. So, and then um, before I let Mark off on this, here's our, here's our giveaway this week. It's a movie called Zara's Law with Tony Sirico. We love Tony Sirico. <laughs> That's what you're giving away this week? Yeah, we're giving Zara's Law. We got, we got three copies of Zara's Law to give away. Tony Sirico and uh, Burt Young, of course. You know. Worst giveaway ever. If you, if, you, if, you, you know, if you like the whole Sopranos thing, you love these guys. Uh, Tony Sirico plays a retired cop, and uh, his young brother was uh, taken out. And uh, like on a date? No, he was he was a mobster, right? His cop, his brother was a mobster, so his young his young brother's taken out, and you know he's got to uh, he's got to he's got to you know make things right for the family. So um, it, look, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward, generic kind of crime stuff, but um, it's one of the uh, one of the better films we've gotten lately from Arc Entertainment, and they're uh, giving us three copies to give away. So if you want a, co- a DVD copy of Zara's Law. Uh, with Tony Sirico, go ahead and uh, send us an email to gods at digigods.com and put law, L-A-W, in the uh, subject. Oh, is that my daughter? Hi. Hi, honey. Hi, honey. Hi there. Hi. Hi, My Hero. daughter just opened the door. I'll take a picture put, of your daughter. Put law in the subject line. And uh, we will pick three people to be the lucky recipients of a DVD of Zara's Law. So, uh, com. put your name and address in the body as well. And uh, we will send you Zara's Law. That's law in the subject line. Are you done with the picture? Well, I'm taking a picture of your daughter. Ah, so sweet. Okay. So, those, those little yellow boots, by the way, you know, you know the inspiration for the yellow boots? Uh, Curious George. Peppa Pig. Oh, God. Because Peppa has little yellow boots. Oh, you love Peppa Pig. She used to Pig. jump up and down in muddy puddles. We gave her those yellow boots for Christmas. Freaking baby. Yes. Carry on. I got a couple, Wade. Uh, we have this interesting film. You know, we're talking about uh, Muslim violence, uh, clashes between Muslims and uh, Christians. And uh, in the spirit of that, we have from 2013, May in the Summer, which was uh, directed by uh, Sherian Dabi. 
I don't know from when she comes, mm-hmm. but uh, or even, even if it's a she. But uh, quite talented. It's with Bill Pullman, by the way, from Independence Day, with the only kind of American name actor in, in the uh, movie. Um, it's about this woman who has great life, and she's going to marry this uh, – this distinguished New York uh, smart guy, and then before getting married, she returns to Jordan for the wedding, and then, of course, when she, when she comes back, cracks start to appear in, like, in her relationship with the husband because the woman's um, mother is a born-again Christian, and yet this girl's fiancé is Muslim, and so you start to get into a lot of interesting, yet never too heavy, um, conversations about uh, religion and uh, marrying interfaith marriages. So... It's interesting stuff, but uh, it's a little bit comic, a little bit dramatic. So even though they're taking on some heavy stuff, it's kind of got a freshness to it, which I kind of liked. So, and it, again, it's got it's got a strong female lead um, played by the director. So you may want to check out May in the Summer from the good folks at Cohen Media Group. It's really not. Uh, it's really pretty good. Kind of a fresh little discovery. Um, Elijah Wood and Sasha Gray star in Open Windows for some reason. And um, this this is another thing like we were talking about earlier, maybe last week, about actors who are really, really rich and they can get any movie they want made. Now, Elijah Wood, right? Sure. Uh, the, you know, he starred in an Oscar-winning Best Picture, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, the, the ring thing? Yeah. Yeah, he does open windows. Yeah, it's great. I don't know why these guys it, – it isn't funny. He and, and – uh, the, the, it's – you know, it's like – what what what's happened to Harry Potter and Frodo? Well, they're now making obscure little indie movies. It's very weird. I but mean, they're I, not, I but they're, they're not making. But they're they're, they're making, not making like horror cho- films. They're not making great choices. No, they're is, making is like these weird thrillers. Yeah. And although um, wasn't Elijah Wood in um, uh, in the thing with the piano? Yeah, which is which is which is a good movie. Which is a good movie, but it, it went nowhere. Yeah, it went nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Color of Time is on DVD and is notable only for its cast, a very good cast. Um, this movie uh, is a little bit older, and obviously they're throwing its cast up against the uh, <clears throat> on the cover of the DVD to prove to you that it's got some bona fides. Worth the rental, Zach Braff, Jessica Chastain, James Franco, and Mila Kunis are in this. Um, it's about the uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning poet C.K. Williams. Now, Williams is played by James Franco, and, and again, this was done a bunch of years ago. So, uh, and I'm a fan of James Franco. I know some people are not. I actually like the fact that his career is whatever the hell he wants it to be. I wish our careers could be whatever the hell we want it to be. Why not? You know, Franco wants to do a soap opera. He wants to do an online series. He wants to do this. Let him do it. I think it's great. Nothing wrong with it. He's out of his mind, but that's okay. You know, I wish we were also out of our minds. Um, So it's it's a film that means well. Um, As a a character piece, it's okay. Um, But I do like uh, James Franco in it. I'm not a big fan of Zach Braff, so... um, uh, he was kind of a weakling to me, and this is uh, this is uh, an early Jessica Chastain film. Of course, Jessica Chastain to me is like the ultimate woman. I love Jessica Chastain. And it, isn't it funny how the two films that she was in got no Oscar nominations? It's because of her. I mean, but she was like the It Girl last year and the year before. She was it, and suddenly, and and, and they're good movies. I mean, she's great in both of them. I, I think obviously, I love her. Violence is a great film. Right. Most violent year, right? That's a fantastic film. Got no nominations, None. and then and then uh, Eleanor Rigby, she's it, great in it. It's a really ambitious film. It's ambitious on a level equally as ambitious in many respects as Birdman and Boyhood. I mean, you, you know, the, no whole, traction. the whole him, her, and then them different cuts. Got no traction. No that traction. Should have, that should have gotten a screenplay nomination. Because I'm not sure they knew what to make. Because it was three movies, but then they made it into one movie. 
or it was two movies, and they made it into one movie. You know, the, the, we're like, which one are we supposed to watch? Which is well, the all one? three versions are on the Blu-ray, which we just got, by the way, and um, they're all worth watching. It's just it's a fascinating thing, and it's I know people are like, why would I want to watch the same story three times? Uh, but you do. It's and it's it's worth kind of setting some time aside on a weekend or a late night to to kind of go through it all. It really is. It's really worth worth sitting through. Uh, speaking of which, we have coherence now. Coherence from the good folks at Oscilloscope. This is an interesting little discovery that uh, kind of uh, surprised me. I won't say much about it because it's got a lot of uh, twisties and turnies. But uh, it's about these about half a dozen uh, uh, friends at a dinner party, and uh, it's on the same night as this comet. Again, I'm not going to say much about it, but. Um, when this weird little space anomaly happens, it uh, affects the relationship between all these people at this dinner party. And so it's very tense. Um, it's sort of like Primer. And it's very thought-provoking. It's really well done by a director I'd never heard of, James Ward uh, Burkett. Hopefully James Ward Burkett will do more stuff because he's a funky little guy. Uh, so it's pretty satisfying. It's satisfying stuff. Coherence. It's an interesting blend of like relationship movie, but sci-fi movie. Um, kind of cerebral, but not too cerebral. And uh, I liked it. It was a nice little surprise. Coherence from Oscilloscope. Uh, decent cast. Uh, does what they can with White Bird in a Blizzard, which is from Greg Araki. Now, Greg Araki is a guy who... In the early 90s, he was one of those like Todd Solon's type breakout guys, and uh, where some of those other directors from the era wind up doing great stuff, Greg Araki kind of disappeared. This is with Shailene Woodley and uh, Eva Green and Christopher Maloney and um, uh, Gabourey Sibide and uh, Angela Bassett. And uh, yeah, so the thing with Greg Araki is that he did some great stuff early on, Mysterious Skin, um, Smiley Face, Kaboom, but now I just, uh, it's just weird. Just a very strange thing about this woman, and she's kind of she's just kind of growing up and kind of getting into her own sexuality when uh, her mother disappears, and that's kind of where it starts. But if you want to, if you want the film explained, the uh, there's a commentary with Iraqi on it, along with actress uh, Shailene Woodley, which is kind of nice. It's kind of nice when the big stars uh, participate in the uh, audio commentary. It shows they believe in the movie. Uh, it's okay. A white bird in a blizzard. Uh, what else we have? We have the remaining, which is one of those stupid B horror movie things that, for some reason, get are just like a dime a dozen, and they get made all the time, and uh, they annoy the crap out of me. They all have titles like the remaining, which makes no sense. <laughs> the ravishing, the remaining. And it's supernatural thriller, and uh, group, a group of a group of friends gather. They're they're at a wedding, um, but these these crazy events happen, and uh, there's a lot of biblical and end times prophecies involved. And I won't get into it because basically I kind of skimmed through it because it sucked. Um, but there's a deleted scene on the Blu-ray and a making of. So generally speaking, this is just another B-movie supernatural thriller. Throw it on the pile. Yep. Uh, if Idris Elba becomes James Bond, and I think it would be awesome if he did because he's cool. Um, they'll ignore this movie. They'll ignore this movie. No good deed. No good deed. Not a very he, good movie. He, he, if they go with that, he will be a cool Bond. Oh, but I mean, great. Daniel Craig still has some good years left in him. Oh, yeah, no, he's cool too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be another six years before Idris Elba gets that call. I mean, look, it's so funny. Like, Do, do you remember when like Daniel Craig was, was announced as James Bond? Yeah. People freaked out that he had blonde hair. 
Like, can the world handle a blonde-haired you know Bond? Look, look. Can you J- imagine an African-American Bond? <laughs> this guy would be great. He'd be totally great. Look, Bond, they've changed so much about Bond. Bond morphs and has morphed. Bond, and this is obviously off-topic, but Bond has morphed into so many things that he was not. Ian Fleming wrote him as a Cold Warrior. We're not in the Cold War anymore. Bond isn't in the 60s anymore. Bond was written to be British. Over the course of Bond, he's been American. Barry Allen, remember, played him originally on, on uh, television as an American. He's been Australian. He's been Irish. He's been Scottish, for crying out loud. Our, our archetypal Bond is a Scotsman. Are you kidding me? Come on. Uh, you know, there have been a lot. I mean, Bond has gone through so many incarnations. Roger Moore is as is, is far as can be from Ian Fleming's Bond. I think, I think uh, Idris Elba would be an awesome Bond. I think he'd be awesome. He could totally nail it. I agree. Yeah. Uh, he, in No Good Deed, plays uh, an escaped convict, and he shows up at the door of uh, Taraji P. Henson's home and in Atlanta, and uh, it's a little bit like Labor Day, actually. Uh, but this is not nearly as good as Labor Day, which, of course, I didn't like either. But um, the thing with Labor Day is that they actually have something in common, which is that um, Josh Brolin is just as dynamic. He wouldn't be a good Bond, but he's just as dynamic an actor is uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. I, mean, I love both those guys. Those, those, those guys together, like a mano a mano in a, in a film, yeah. would be great. Yeah. Anyway, No Good Deed uh, sucks. It doesn't suck, but it's, 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 it's not, okay. It's, it's, it's like a Saturday night rental that you forget about. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a bunch of gay films real quickly. Uh, <laughs> seriously. I mean, look, I, it's, 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 it, is a, it is a legitimate uh, genre, and we get them every so often, and we, we, uh, we want to point you to things that are certainly worth the attention. Fagbug Nation... It's a funny title. Funny title? Funny title. Fascinating film. Are you familiar with The Fag Bug? No. I know. I wasn't either. It's a whole... It's, well, it's a, it's, it, it, well, anyway. Uh, the, the Fag Bug is, a, is, a, is an infamous uh, rainbow-striped uh, VW bug. Anyway, um, this is the... the, the you know, it's, it, there's a whole history that goes with this car, which you get when you watch this. And uh, Aaron Davies who owns the car, um, decides she's going to take it to all 50 states and just see what the reaction is. And, uh, of course, you know, she kind of goes almost in order. Alaska and Hawaii are the final two states. Anyway, um, and you go through the whole... It's just a great big giant road trip in this incredibly gaudy car that is sort of becoming a symbol of, you know, the, the you know, gay rights movement and all this. It's, it's actually a really interesting doc, road, road film doc. Um, you got Happy End, which is a story of a couple who are uh, going to try and do justice to a, uh, a deceased friend's ashes. Also a very interesting road trip. Nicely photographed. Really good performances by a couple of actresses. Uh, Sina Molina Gierke and uh, Verena Wustkamp. Um, really quite, quite sharp. Uh, two Mothers, story of a couple of women who are uh, considering becoming parents. Provocative subject there. Very timely. Snails in the Rain is an Israeli gay film. Uh, this one's a little bit more stereotypical. It's about a guy who, you know, is, is closeted in his whole journey out of the closet. That story's been told a million times. Uh, the third one is uh, also kind of a, a generic thing. This is also from TLA releasing, same as the previous. Uh, it's, you know, a guy who, uh, who has a, a, an overnight encounter with a couple of older guys. This is the kind of stuff that sticks at, at gay film festivals. But a lot more interesting is Big Gay Love, which is a comedy about a fat gay guy who uh, is considered, right, he's like the schlubby one, you know? He, he's, he's not the, the usual gay man, hard body, whatever. If I was gay, that'd be me. Yeah, and, uh, and how he kind of comes to terms. And it's sort of, it's, it basically it's saying, you know, too many gay men are too superficial. It's a message that, you know, um, 
will probably not be welcomed in some quarters, but it makes for a fairly decent crossover comedy. So I thought that was pretty good. But that's why I like Normal Heart. I was very surprised by the Normal Heart, the HBO film. Yeah. Because it was very tough on the gay community. And it was written in... It was, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. uh, which I thought was very fair. It's fine, you know, and it, obviously in the end it, uh, it was a tragic story. It's a beautiful story. It's a great film. And I was surprised how tough it was on the gay community. Yeah. Well, we're, we're getting close to the end of the show. We're about to run out of time. Um, let me really quickly, before we get into television, let me just roll through uh, some of the new Olive releases and then this one box set here. Uh, Universal has done something that's going to be both welcomed and reviled. They have the Bing Crosby Silver Screen Collection, which is 24 classic films. Um, here's the reason this is going to be welcomed is it's all these Bing Crosby films in one box set one uh, you know with three cases and it's not on Blu-ray but not on Blu-ray and here's the other thing if you've been collecting Bob Hope movies um, well half of these are Bob Hope movies I mean there are you know Road to Zanzibar uh, Road to Morocco um, I mean Road to Utopia there's like a whole bunch of Bob Hope movies on here it's like well you, you have no choice now but to double dip and some of this stuff is on Blu-ray, Holiday Inn and Going My Way. And so, you know, it, it makes it a little bit difficult. So this is, a, this is a nice box set if you don't want Blu-ray and if you're not a Bob Hope collector. So I'll leave it, on, I'll leave it at that. And uh, then here are a bunch of titles from Olive. Olive, of course, uh, mines a lot of really interesting titles from other libraries. Uh, Alain Robert-Grier's La Belle Captive is a totally unexpected 1983 uh, release that I just did not expect anybody to go pick up. Uh, it's a really kind of haunting, somewhat dated, but really interesting movie. Uh, that's out on Blu-ray. We also have The Weapon uh, with Steve Cochran, Elizabeth Scott, Herbert Marshall, and Nicole Maury. This is a 1957 B-movie, uh, that uh, you know, one of those reckless youth movies. Really cool and totally underground. Um, another one kind of from the same uh, genre is World for Ransom with Dan Duryea, Gene Lockhart, and uh, the incredible direction of Robert Aldrich. This is a little bit more mainstream, kind of a classic 54 noir, um, but it takes place in Shanghai. You know, it's, it's kind of not shot in Shanghai, obviously. Um, Track the Man Down with uh, Kent Taylor and Petula Clark is uh, also a uh, 1954 release. Uh, a little bit less interesting, but uh, you know, another kind of a cool underground unsung noir from the period. Um, the woman they almost lynched with John Lund, Brian Don Levy, Don Levy, and Audrey Totter. Uh, this is from 1953, and it is a uh, kind of a B western of sorts. Some you know decent decent performances. It's uh, based on a uh, Saturday Evening Post story and uh, has kind of a pulpy you know pulpy feel to it. Um, Hurry Sundown is a terrific movie. Did you ever see Hurry Sundown? Uh, yeah, that, that is a terrific movie. That is a, yeah. that is a sensational movie. Um, I mean, we've been talking a lot about you know race in movies lately, and uh, this is this is one of those great you know Otto Preminger productions from 1967. Just you know, Otto was one of those guys who just he was tackled, the man. He tackled it all head on. Really did a great. I mean, he job. was one of the guys who helped bring down the production code. I know. I mean, great performances here. Michael Caine. Uh, Jane Fonda, Faye Dunaway, Burgess Meredith, all takes place in, in Georgia. It really just, that is a hard-hitting, fantastic film. Uh, and I'm so glad that they found that. It's, you know, John Philip Law is in it. 
That's a, it's a great cast. John Philip Sousa? John Philip Law. Uh, Rudolph Maté, a director who doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, did uh, Union Station with uh, William Holden and Barry Fitzgerald in 1950. This is another one of those hard-boiled, tough-talking crime thrillers uh, that uh, really needs to get more attention. Really, really nicely done. Uh, another fin- That's a great transfer, by the way. Such Good Friends is another Otto, another Otto Preminger production. They're really getting the Otto Preminger stuff out. This is from the uh, early 1970s, and it is not quite Otto Preminger's strongest material. Um, it, uh, Otto Preminger is not great with comedies, and this one means to be funny, but it uh, should be... I don't know. It's just it's kind of the wrong material for him. But... Um, you know, it's it's okay. Uh, Elaine May ghost wrote the screenplay. Uh, four more here real quickly before I uh, turn this back over to Mark. Uh, Rope of Sand, produced by Hal Wallace and directed by William Dieterle from 1949. has a great performance by Burt Lancaster and, uh, you know, Peter Lorre, Paul Henry. It's, you know, it, it's uh, missing. It, it's got everything except for Bogart, frankly. Uh, but it's, right, you know, right in that same same vein. Appointment with Danger, uh, Alan Ladd and Phyllis Calvert. Uh, this is another classic from 1951. Good, solid, hard-boiled movie with an unbelievable... I mean, Alan Ladd is, is great in this, but uh, Harry Morgan, very young, and yet he still looks old. Isn't that funny? Directed by Lewis, but directed by Lewis Allen, by the way. Lewis Allen! Your dude. Your, your, My step-grandfather. That's right. Hell of a director, that guy. Yeah, really. The Uninvited. Hell of a director. Uh, Charlton Heston, uh, not at his best, but close in uh, Dark City, another William Dieterle film. Not the Dark City with Kiefer Sutherland and no. uh, the Alex Preuss film, no, this which is I a, love. No, this is a 1951 noir, and uh, Charlton Heston, he, he, you know, he can noir it up with the best of them. I like him, I like him better, obviously, in the period stuff and in the later stuff, you know, Planet of the Apes. I, and I like him better as a, as, as a Mexican in Touch of Evil. <laughs> it's the best. It really is. <laughs> It's, it's just that would never fly today. That casting, but somehow it's it's Wells and he, which is worse, gets that, got the tracking shot and it's it's the thing. Which is worse, Charlton Heston as a Mexican or Mickey Rooney as a, a Chinese person? Oh, Mickey Rooney. That's, that's far worse. Mister <laughs> Girl, right, Rooney, I protest. The, the teeth and the whole thing. It's no. And then a Robert Altman film from a quiet period when he was doing very small, fringy stuff, right? When he was doing things like the, uh, like the Nixon thing and all this, and streamers, right? Uh, this is uh, come back to the five and dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. But this, this is the good. movie. You know what? This is the movie that let us know that Cher can act. She acts here with Sandy Dennis and Karen Black. Sandy Dennis, of course, getting a little bit kind of, you know, no longer the sweet young thing that she was. In the in the sixties, but uh, here Cher is like, wow, she can really act, and then suddenly she's on everybody's lips as a real actress, and she's doing things like you know uh, Silkwood and and uh, Moonstruck and and winning Oscars, and uh, it's all all because Altman was willing to take a chance on her in this little production of a small New York stage play, and uh, about a bunch of women who basically work in a diner. And it's uh, it, it's pretty great. It's a it's a really it's a film that ages, I think, very well. And then lastly, one more Otto Preminger film. This is one of the most kind of notorious Otto Preminger films from the era, uh, 1968's Skidoo, with Jackie Gleason and a ton of other people, including Groucho Marx playing God. Damn right. Better believe it. Uh, Skidoo is a film that people either love or hate. 
It is a completely 60s movie. It is totally dated. Um, it's, very, it's very not Otto preminger It's not the least bit Otto Preminger. Because you think uh, of no. like, you know, Anatomy of a Murder or Moon is Blue. It's or crazy. Mickey Rooney is in this. I mean, everybody is in this thing. Uh, you know, Frankie Avalon, Carol Channing, Burgess Meredith. Uh, it, it, it even includes, believe it or not, this is the weirdest thing. This is the only movie that Cesar Romero, Burgess Meredith, and Frank Gorshin all appear in together that's not a Batman movie. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Directed by Otto Preminger. Directed by Otto Preminger, who played uh, Mr. Freeze. Freeze. It's like four Batman villains are involved in one movie. That must be how he got. That must be how he got attached to that. Well, it's this is 1968. It's right. It's right uh, right after. Yeah. You know, it's right when the show is winding down. So, I mean, Skidoo is crazy. It is a crazy movie. Jackie Gleason plays this gangster who comes out of retirement, and uh, he's going to you know try to kill Mickey Rooney. And where it goes from there is just a mind-blowing bunch of weirdness. Speaking of mind-blowing weirdness, Wade, as we come in for a landing on this week's show, we have the complete third season of Dallas, the Dallas reboot. Now, the funny thing about this is that... This is the end of it. Well, what's funny is that when they pressed the DVD, they didn't know it was the end, so we have the complete third season printed onto the box, and yet there it is at the bottom in a sticker. The final season, (laughs) because they canceled it, because Larry Hagman's not on it. Nobody cares anymore. Exactly. So uh, there you go. Um, This show, you know what? Here's the thing. It it was a nice try. Uh, I expected a lot, lot worse. Um, But in the end, it it it's just too 70s or too 80s, too dated. Also coming in for landing is Glee, finally, which uh, really is running on fumes and has way outlived its cultural usefulness. Uh, the complete fifth season is on uh, DVD. Of course, the uh, final season is um, is airing now on Fox. And uh, I don't know what to say about this show. I feel like it was a phenomenon at the time, and then it lasted like three seasons too long. Boardwalk Empire, the complete fifth season. This, of course, is also um, calling it a day. This show... Uh, Directed a lot of it by Terrence Winter, who, of course, wrote um, Wolf of Wall Street. This show was a good show, but it never really got the really not, never got the conversation going like some of these other HBO shows, you know? And plus, the, you know, plus the, lead, the, the lead singer, the lead character's name is Ducky, and I just can't handle that. Yeah. I just want to spend five years with a guy named uh, Ducky. Uh, well, I know y- you know, uh, Pretty in Pink, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a beautiful uh, uh, Blu-ray because it's a beautifully shot show. A lot of audio commentaries, including director Tim Van Patten, Wade, whose father was? The Dick Van Patten? Yeah, who oh. starred in Eight is Enough. Eight is Enough. <laughs> who knew? You know, you know, one of the Van Patten boys was the bionic boy on, on The Six Million Dollar Man. You remember that? Was no. it Jimmy Van Patten? I don't know. I can't really? remember. There's like that. 10 of them. The one that was a tennis player for a you, moment. You made that up. No, it's true. He's a bionic boy. But he didn't do it because he had bionic uh, uh, appendages. He did it because he was like having some weird drug or something and it had an adverse effect. Yeah, because they couldn't make him bionic. I mean, how, how well, many members of the family could they blow up? Well, there are only three people who have bionic limbs. That's, you know, obviously Steve Austin, Jamie Summers, and then Barney Hiller, who was the second bionic man who was stronger than Steve Austin. Then Because he had two bionic arms, and he won in that, that arm wrestling contest in that bar, and it really humiliated Steve. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> I was so upset. I'm like, there's no way. Thank God I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Um, Looking is uh, a new HBO show about uh, three uh, 30-something uh, gay guys living in San Francisco. You know, this show has a real opportunity to kind of delve into what it's Barney like. Hiller was a race car driver, by the way. It was a race car accident, and that's why they had to replace his legs and his arms. You made that up. Um, Look it up. <laughs> oh, no, I won't. <laughs> um, has an interesting uh, interesting. Uh, 
show looking because they have a chance to really delve into what it's like to be a gay person in in the modern era now that you know gay rights are sort of starting to they're pushing yep. the rock up the hill the supreme court's going to take on gay marriage now and i think generally speaking i mean it's it's there now but i think if it lasts for another couple seasons they could really do some interesting stuff uh season two um of looking does premiere this month so um yeah looking interesting stuff girls uh, this is the third season of Girls on Blu-ray. Um, this show mixes about 20% really interesting truth about relationships and being a young girl, young woman in the modern world with 80% of just insufferability. There's something about this show that annoys the crap out of me. It's the, I can't stand the show. I appreciate what it's trying to do, but it's, it's the worst. You know, and the thing is that as members of the... Um, <laughs> As members of the LA Film Critics Association, as Wade's daughter takes another bow. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Freaking kid. Oh, um, the best we, age. We realized that uh, we had given Lena Dunham our New Generation Award for Tiny Furniture. And we gave her a New Generation Award for Tiny Furniture because we thought that she would grow up and make amazing movies. And no. in the end, she goes right to TV. She goes to TV and takes her clothes off way too much. Exactly. Uh, the Showtime show House of Lies uh, in, uh, features the great Don Cheadle and the whatever Kristen Bell. This is the um, third season on uh, DVD. Don't know how this thing lasted three seasons. Don't know why it's lasting any more seasons. Don Cheadle, that's how. I know. He's awesome. But um, it's also directed by Matthew Carnahan, who yeah. is uh, you know pretty talented guy. Anyway, so, uh, you know, it, it, look, I don't find the show that funny. It's like a send-up of like, you know, like corporate America – and, um, you know, I just don't think the show ever really can. It, it just show doesn't come together for me. It's, it, it's almost like a, when it grows up, it wants to be an HBO show. Kind of how I look at it. Nice. Um, season four of Little House on the Prairie, the classic show from the uh, 80s that uh, starred Michael Landon and Sarah Gilbert and a bunch of other people. Wade loves this show. I don't get it. Something else I don't get is Kevin Hart. I'm not on the Kevin Hart bandwagon yet. I don't get it. I, I, I guess he's he, funny. You know People what? like him. He's, Kevin Hart is a hugely talented guy, but he needs to start making better choices. He does. He really needs to start making better choices uh, because he's going to be he's going to become Martin Lawrence in a, in, a, in a second if he's not if he doesn't if he's not careful. He'll he'll be he'll be yesterday he'll be yesterday's comic as soon as somebody just as funny comes along and he's got to be really careful. He's, he needs to. He, you know what he needs. I mean, if we're talking about comics of that ilk, right? You're talking about specifically black comics who do a particular kind of comedy. He needs to do what Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy did before. Richard Pryor at a certain point. You know what he did? He started doing stuff like, like uh, uh, Silver Street. He did start doing the stuff with, with, uh, with Gene, Gene Wilder, Wilder, right? That, and, and, he, and most importantly, he did, he did um, the prison film. The oh, stir crazy. Stir, no, not, not straight stir, time. Straight time. Thank you. Straight time was a big deal. Straight time was a really big deal because he said, "I'm a legitimate actor. I can do this. I can play straight. I can. I can be. I can be this guy. I can be hard and I can be interesting. I can. I can do something else." That changed the whole thing. You know, that was a Paul Schrader thing, and it, it completely changed everything. Eddie Murphy did Forty Eight Hours. And 48 Hours, yes, he's funny and all that. But you know what? That is a violent cop film. It's a buddy cop film, but it was like the first buddy cop film. It changed the landscape. Kevin Hart's got to do that. He's got to find that movie. Well, what you're saying is, well, what you're saying is he has to find a white A-list actor to start. Not with. necessarily. Not necessarily. He he. But he needs to find he needs to find serious material, not something that looks. It can be seriously funny. 
It could not be necessarily serious, but look, it, it, it could it, be like a good Beverly Hills Cop, right? Same same thing. I mean, Eddie Murphy made Beverly Hills Cop. That's not a shticky film. That's a that's like a crime movie. In fact, Eddie Murphy, as funny as he is, frankly, uh, Judge Reinhold has a lot of really has many stuff that's just as funny. Right. He's got a lot of stuff that's really funny in that movie. I mean, he's almost he's almost the comedian, and Eddie is sometimes the straight man. You know, Eddie's got like three or four moments where he walks in and he does a big thing, right? And the, it's like, oh, hey, Phil, you know, he does a whole thing in the restaurant or he'll, you know, like in the banana in the tailpipe, right? He's got a few of those lines, but the rest of it, he's playing that part straight. He really is. And Kevin Hart needs to find that part. He needs to, he needs to, to, to say, look, I, you can, if you want to put me in any movie, I can be that guy. I don't have to only be the, the Kevin Hart persona. And then people broaden their concept of him, and he will have a much longer career as a result. Coming soon, Kevin Hart, writing and directing Jojo Dancer, Your Life is Calling 2. That would be great. Seriously. <laughs> uh, season 8, not just season 8, by the way, but season 08, for some uh, reason, on the box. Of NYPD Blue. This, uh, this is one of the seasons where they brought in um, Rick Schroeder. And uh, he joins uh, previous uh, cast members, Dennis Franz and Kim Delaney and Andrea Thompson. By this point, uh, the show's on autopilot. Uh, you know, it's just another cop of the, cop of the week, sh- uh, whatever case of the week show. Um, not really into it at that point. Uh, it was definitely had its heyday earlier on when it was uh, showing Dennis Franz's butt and making news. But uh, if you're completist, season eight is there for you. And wrapping the show out at the very end here, Downton Abbey season five is out on Blu-ray from PBS. And I have not watched it because I'm just getting to the end of season four. I don't want to spoil this for myself. I'm a little bit behind. I have a child. Makes it a little tough, but... Uh, you are a child, man. Man, what I, what I love is that the thing that they have that accompanies it, which is the Manners of Downton Abbey, which is with uh, Alistair Bruce, who is the historical advisor, who's the guy that makes sure that all the pins are correct and all the, 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 the cost, of, like the suits are period perfect, and that wasn't designed by so-and-so until this such-and-such a year, and nobody would ever put that china with that silverware, and they wouldn't do that. And it's just, he's the guy that steps in on set and says, uh, that's a historical mistake. Like, he keeps everybody honest. He's the guy that makes it look so good. And uh, it's, this is terrific. This is a lot of fun. And uh, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed this. This is just fabulous. It lets you kind of see, the, see how the sausage is made in a certain sense. And then a couple of music uh, Blu-rays real quickly. Uh, th- some of the parts is the documentary history of Genesis. And what a great band, and what an amazing story. I mean, from... They were almost two bands. They were a prog rock band. I, it, and then, like around the 80s, or early 80s, grew, they became a pop band. I, I grew up with the Phil Collins Genesis, and I also grew up loving Peter Gabriel. The Peter Gabriel Genesis was not part of my experience. So, I mean, it's amazing. It's just an amazing history. It's just fantastic, and the sound is great, and it's it, this is it. Some of the parts is for Genesis fans for sure. And if you're a country fan of Trace Adkins, Lame. Uh, Trace Adkins live country. Lame. Yeah, well, you know what? It's good. I mean, I, I, I like Trace Adkins. I don't, I don't love him, but it's, it's, it's fair enough. A lot of good songs in here. Uh, songs about me, Big Time, uh, Every Light in the House. Oh, yeah. Ladies love country boys. Oh, that one. Yeah, that's the one where where they they, they see the la- that uh, ladies, ladies loving and, and country. They probably throw maybe a reference yeah. to beer in there too. Exactly. I left uh, the trucks. Have a truck. There are trucks in there. Here's one. I left something turned on at home. That's great. It's a great title. <laughs> it's you know, like these country titles. They're they're like parodies of themselves. Honky tonk, badonka donk. It's great. Trace Atkins is a lot of fun. Anyway, so that's out there. Uh, that is a DVD that comes in a Blu-ray package. So don't be uh, don't be completely thrown by that. But uh, It has fantastic DTS audio, so that is first rate. All right. 
With that, we are done. We will see you next week. Remember, send us an email with law in the subject line and your name and address if you want to be chosen as one of the three people who receives Zara's Law. There's no expiration on this. We're, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give it about a week or so. And then we'll uh, we'll pick three winners, and so give it give it a week, and we'll pick three winners, and we'll send you your Zara's Law DVD. Otherwise, um, oh Oscar what? Pool, Oscar Pool, Oscar Pool. Uh, join the Oscar Pool, and you want to go to funofficepools.com. The register, the group is the Digigods with a space, and then the password is Lars von Trier, all lowercase, one word. And join the Oscar Pool, and we are putting together a nice swag bag for you. Whoever wins, we'll see you next week.